I want to begin by saying good morning and thank you for your effort to be here and thank you for your participation in the worship service. Um, today we're going to conclude our faux pas series by looking at the subject of gossip. And honestly, um, if this was Speaker's Choice Day and I had the ability to select a, a topic, this probably wouldn't have been a topic that would have interested me at first glance. It's probably not a topic that um, I would have been all that motivated to really sit down and formulate a lesson on to present it. However, because we are going through a series, I have studied it, and I'm grateful that I've studied it because I personally feel like the study has helped me. And I feel like if most people were honest with themselves, that this is a facet of the Christian life where most people could strive to do better in exercising self-control when it comes to gossip. And as Mike stated last week in his lesson on deceit, when you sit down and you study a lot of these faux pas sins or these sins that, um, that are sins, but we don't find them to be as egregious as other sins. Um, however, they're more prevalent. They're more socially acceptable. They're still sin before God's eyes. Whenever you look at these sins or consider these topics, you can come up with a million different scenarios in your mind of, well, what's deceit? What's not deceit? Is there an exception to gossip? Is this considered gossip? Well, what about this scenario? Or what about this situation? And I'm here to tell you that the lesson this morning is not a field manual for every circumstance in life of when to determine what's gossip, what's not gossip. The lesson is designed to provide you a, a general truth that the Bible teaches about gossip. And I hope that at the end of the study that we will be more cautious in the way that we disseminate information and that we will be careful in the way that we talk to people about people. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1, he begins to talk there about the historical heathenism of the Gentile people how they were a people who didn't have God's law and they didn't acknowledge the nature of God or who he was and that they were so wicked that God would give them over to a reprobate mind. And I gave a definition of gossip and I think we all understand what gossip is. But in Romans chapter 1, he talks about giving them over to a reprobate mind. What's that? It's, it's very sobering to me to think that God can get to a position where he looks down at certain people and says, you're so wicked, I've had enough of you, I'm washing my hands of you. And that's the way that God felt with some of these And it says in Romans chapter 1, verses 28 through 32, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers and backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, 
inventors of evil things. You know, you turn on the TV and you're watching all of this abortion debate and you see all these people in the street with all their costumes and all their signs and you want to know what's an invention of evil. That's an invention of evil. Those people, too, invented evil practices. Disobedient to parents without understanding. Covenant breakers without natural affection. Implaceable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only the same, but they have pleasure in them that do them. Now, why would God say that somebody who's a gossiper is just as worthy of death as someone who takes the life of a human being? Why would God say that? Well, before we answer that question, I want to look at these words. Whisperer, backbiter, a whisperer, that Greek word means secret slanderer. It means a detractor. You know what a detractor is? A detractor is somebody who disparages the reputation of someone else through malicious intent. A backbiter is a defamer. is someone who likes to talk against another person. These are characteristics of people who we identify as gossipers. Now going back to our question, why would God say that that, that murder and gossip deserve death. I mean, outside of the fact that we understand that God is a holy God and that he can't be before the presence of sin because of his very nature, absent an atonement of Jesus Christ. But just looking at it from our perspective, holding our scales of equity out here and saying murder, gossip, how are those things anywhere closely related and worthy of death? When you, when you think about murder, murder is destruction. It's the destruction of innocent human life. And human life is made in the image of God. And because human life is made in the image of God, we don't have a right to take an innocent life. But gossip is destruction in and of itself. It's not the destruction of innocent life. It's the destruction of relationships, and it's the destruction of trust. And so therefore, God is displeased with it. In Psalm 101, in verse 5, David is writing a psalm, and he's writing this to God. And he's saying that when I'm ruling the nation of Israel, these are the policies that I'm going to implement in the kingdom so that I can maintain the sovereignty and the integrity of the nation of Israel. And he says, whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. David said, now a lot of the writing in Psalm is poetic. Some of it's figurative, some of it's literal. However, David says, I'm going to actively destroy the whisperer who's going around the kingdom. Because honestly, people who are are bosses, people who are in charge of governments, the last thing that they want is somebody running around in the cabinet, stepping on other people at the expense of other people to promote themselves. And David said, I'm going to take them out. Whenever you look at that word slander, sometimes we think of slander as saying something that's not true about somebody. We just, the nation just watched a, a mind-numbing trial of, of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard over what? A defamation lawsuit. And so when we think about slander, we think about libel, slander, defamation. All of those things in the legal context said that you said something that's untrue about something to damage their reputation, and you've got to prove that. 
But that word slander there doesn't mean that you lie about somebody. That word slander there means to wag your tongue. It means to be an accuser. Now, why is that significant? I want to read something for you out of Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. And the great dragon was cast out. And the old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And when I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now here comes salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God night and day. You know who's an accuser? Satan is an accuser. And every day before the throne of God, there's a bombardment of accusations that's made against you before the throne of God. Every mistake that you make, every sin that you commit, there's an accusation made by Satan that reaches the throne of God. And God hears it every day. And for those of us who are safe, found in the blood of Christ, who are walking in the light as He is in the light, and striving to do the right thing, that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, God turns His head to those accusations, even though they're true. But not only is Satan an accuser of you before God, it says he's an accuser of the brethren. He wants me to look at a fellow brother, a brother in Christ and make an accusation about him. Well, why, do I need to, why do I need to be a Christian? Why do I need to go to church? They're, they're no different than anybody else in the world. Look at their hypocrisy. Not only is Satan an accuser between you before God, an accuser between you and your brethren, he's an accuser of yourself. He wants you to look in the mirror and think, I'm beyond God's grace. God wouldn't love me. God can't save me. An accusation throw. And why would he do that? Because he knows his demise. And so he's going to step on you to promote himself before God. And he's going to do it. Why? To destroy a relationship. He wants to destroy a relationship between you and God. He wants to destroy a relationship between you and another Christian. And he wants you to destroy a relationship within yourself. Now think about it in the context of gossip. When we go about and we talk about other people, what are we doing? Whether we say something that's true or not true about them, we become an accuser. And just as Satan sits there continually day and night before the throne of God and bombards him with accusations about people, we ourselves become like that. And as Mike said last week, we began to speak the native, long, native tongue of the devil. That's why God hates it. That's why God abhors it. That's why God finds it repugnant. And I find it interesting in Psalm 101 here in verse 5 that David says at the second part of that, the one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. David associates gossiping with, with being prideful, doesn't he? And he says, I'm not going to tolerate being prideful. 
What's the association between gossip and pride? A lot of times, let's be honest, when we talk about other people, it's because we inherently want to make ourselves look better to them in relation to whoever we're talking about, right? And that's, that's out of pride. What does the Bible say in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19? These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, feet that are swift to run to mischief, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, he who bears false witness, and those who sow discord among the brethren. Now, let me ask you something. When people go and they gossip about other people, do you think that they have a proud look when they do that? Certainly can. Do you think when people go and they gossip about other people that they're potentially causing strife and discord in relationships? Absolutely. Do you think when you run and you gossip about people that it creates mischief? It does. And God says that he finds that to be an abomination. <clears throat> and I think that's why Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, he says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only that such is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And here's the simple fact of the matter. It doesn't take long and hard to look at other people and to see their faults and to see their sins and to see their struggles and to be able to point that out. You may know somebody's weaknesses. You may know their sin. You may know their dirt. But what you see is only a fraction of their life. You don't see the totality of their life. And so that's why Paul says when you extend grace, when you say, when you extend grace and you don't talk about other people, that's an expression of love. That's an expression of God's grace. You think gossip is in the church? It's certainly in the church. It's why we're dealing with some of the faux pas issues. And sometimes you might hear it in the form of, you know, if a brother comes up to you and says, you know, man, I really hate to tell you this, but I'm concerned about brother so-and-so. Or a sister going to another sister and saying, you know, I think that we should pray for sister so-and-so. I hear that. And I could make an argument that I think that a lot of that's probably done with an ill intent. As subtle as it might be. Because a lot of times that looks like gossip cloaked in the wrapping, religious wrapping paper to make it appear as if it's not gossip. And so we're commanded here to, with our speech, to try to give grace to other people as such is fitting to the occasion. Now, if I'm talking about a terrorist who gets in a plane and blows up a building and kills a bunch of people, I'm not going to sit down and talk about, oh, I'm sure he was a good family man. Because that's not fitting for the occasion. If there's something that's good that can be said, then say it. The book, and if you can't say anything good, it's like the old saying, when you heard when you were younger, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. There's proverbial wisdom in that. It says even a fool is considered wise when he holds his tongue. And so as people of God, I hope that we use good judgment in the way that we communicate to others about other people. In James chapter 1, going back to, you know, that gossip even in the church, I'm reminded of this verse here in, in chapter 1 of James. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, 
he deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. If you go and you approach somebody and use that as an opportunity to gossip about someone else, but you're just putting it in religious wrapping paper, you're deceiving yourself. You know, I think a lot of sin is born out of idleness, out of boredom. That's what the word idle means. Lack thereof, stagnant. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12? In Matthew chapter 12, there were a group of people standing around, and Jesus walked up to this man who was demonically possessed, and Jesus cast a demon out of a man. And the Pharisees were standing there, and they said, He did it in the name of Beelzebub. He did it in the name of the devil. What did Jesus say to him there? He says, you're a broad of vipers. How can you say anything good? He says, I tell you all manners of sins and blasphemies will be forgiven unto men because they're going to blaspheme. But those who blaspheme the Holy Ghost have no forgiveness. And they're in danger of eternal damnation. He says, out of the heart, out of the mouth, out of the the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He says, every idle word that a man speaks, he will be judged thereby on the day of judgment. I mean, that's pretty sobering to think. That the things that we say matter. And as subtle as the tongue is, it has such destructive power and that God holds it to a very high standard as us as Christians to be able to be careful about the things that we say. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul wrote to Timothy, there was an issue where young widows in the church were being considered busybodies or gossips. And Paul writes to Timothy and tells him to address the situation. He says, and besides, and besides they learn to be idle. Again, there's that idle. When we're lazy, when we're not doing anything, and idleness, sin uh, is, is born a lot of times. Wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. And so here's what Paul says. There's, there, there's these young widows, and for whatever reason, he says, out of idleness, they're going around from house to house, and they're talking about people, and Paul says, they should stop doing that. Even to the point that if they need to go and to be remarried and to have children and to have a relationship so it puts more responsibility and duty in their life to prevent them from walking around talking about other people, that's what they need to do. That word busybody there means somebody who meddles in the affairs of other people. It's also used in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 14 when he talks about that you don't need to be a busybody because if you're a busybody, it gives someone an opportunity to blaspheme God. Well, I want to be a Christian. They're a gossip. I hear them at the coffee station every morning talking about people. If that's what a Christian is, then I don't want to be a Christian. <clears throat> and in the last part of that verse there, it says that you don't give an opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Why? Because the adversary is an accuser. If you're not saying things about people, you don't give them an opportunity to make an accusation before the throne of God. In Proverbs chapter 17, in verse 9, it says, He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. When I was in 
law school in my, my third year, we all had to take a class called professional responsibility. And um, to, to be licensed, you not only have to take the bar exam, you got to take an exam called the MPRE exam, which is an ethics exam. And in the class, they present you a number of different scenarios of things that are gray and how do you handle those things, um, uh, you know, situations that can put you in dilemmas. And I remember sitting in a classroom and they said, if somebody comes into your office and they tell you the deepest, darkest secrets of their problems and of their relationship problems, and if they spill whatever they tell you, no matter what it is, it does not leave that law firm. So you know what that means? It doesn't mean that at the end of the day when I get home, I take my tie off and I sit on the couch and go, Jessica, let me tell you about who walked into my office today and the issue that they're having. Well, I can't tell you who it is, but I can tell you this. He was on Nathan's baseball team last year. His parents, it's one of the parents of one of the kids that was on Nathan's baseball team last year. If you say that, you've said too much. It's no different as a Christian. If somebody comes to you and they tell you something in secret, they're paying you a compliment. What they're saying to you is, I respect you and I trust you enough that I'm going to give you intimate, private information. And they're holding in trust that you're not going to violate that. And that's a big responsibility. And I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to hint anything to do anything that would violate that trust. Now listen, there's a lot of problems with the legal system. And I understand that lawyers have a bad rap. And I'm not up here to say lawyers are great people or talk about the profession of law. I'm saying this, that at least in the profession of the, of the practice of law, there's a public policy that when people come talk to you, it's confidential information. And you don't spill that information or you will be sanctioned. And there's some honor in that. Why? Because the state's saying we value that relationship, we value that client relationship that we can provide a place for, somewhere, for someone to go to have confidence. It says, he who covers a transgression seeks love. What, is, what does that mean? That means when someone comes to you and they tell you something private and you keep that private and you don't and you don't say anything, what you're doing is you're showing an act of mercy. You're showing an act of grace to that person. It's not that you're helping in the cover-up of the body. It's you're, express, you're expressing grace. And that's pleasing to God. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 13. A talebearer. a lot of times when you look in the Old Testament, a talebearer is a gossiper. It says, a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is a faithful spirit conceals a matter. You know, the thing about, <clears throat> about gossiping and about keeping information private is this. A lot of times when you do the right thing, people will acknowledge it. They'll see it. You'll get some sense of reward from people when you do the right thing, generally speaking. But the thing about gossip is, is when somebody tells you something and you tell them that you're not going to disclose that information and you've developed that relationship of trust and you don't do that, nobody sees that, do they? 
Nobody pats you on the back and tells you, man, that guy's just so tight-lipped. That guy's just so trustworthy. Nobody sees it. But God sees it. And that's what matters, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? You know, that we shouldn't walk around trying to please men, but rather we should have an effort to please God. That people who do that are a faithful spirit. I like the words he uses there. That people who do that have a faithful spirit. In Titus chapter 3 and verses 1 through 2, Paul says this, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. What a great opportunity to show courtesy towards all people and to speak evil of no one. Characteristic that we should, that we should all have. Why? Why should we be that way? Because God was courteous to us when we were his enemies. And so we should extend the same to others. I want to run through some considerations um, about disclosures of information. Good question to ask yourself is this. Is what I'm about to share an inherent effort to shame someone else for my own satisfaction or pride? Is what I'm about to share going to spiritually benefit those I tell and the subject of my conversation? Is what I'm about to share necessary for others to hear? Is what I'm about to share going to jeopardize a relationship that I'm entrusted to? And by not disclosing this information, is that an opportunity to honor God and express grace to people? And I don't want you to come away from this sermon this morning that Kyle just stands up and says, don't gossip, gossip's bad, we all know that. But what I want you to take away from this is I want you to understand the way that God views gossip and the severity of it in the eyes of God. And that we can have a, a pulse or a sense of, of what it means to, to violate trust when someone place, places trust into you. You know what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 45? He says, a good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good things. But an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings about evil. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so gossip is not really just me. Okay, I'm really going to tighten up the ratchet on the mouth and I'm just not going to say anything. It's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. If you run to go disclose information about other people in an effort to hurt them or harm their reputation anyway, that's a hard issue. And so if we're somebody who struggles with that, then obviously taking a, a deep self-reflection of, of where our heart is is uh, a good thing. In Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21, the Bible says, <clears throat> Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. There's power in what you say, isn't there? Death and life. Now, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Why? Lest they be discouraged. If I stand over my children and I lord over them and I scream and I yell at them all the time and I'm constantly critical of everything that they do, what am I doing? I'm killing them. I'm killing their spirit. I'm killing their confidence. I'm destroying them. But as, as their father, if I can compliment them 
and reward them when they do good things. And to be patient and to try to be calm and to, and to speak to them. I'm speaking life into them. What you say matters. How you say it matters. You want to destroy somebody? You want to destroy a relationship? Go breach something that's been told to you in confidence and you will destroy a relationship quicker than anything else. We value privacy, don't we? We value confidentiality. We shouldn't have a desire to destroy anyone. Let me ask you this. What if you know somebody went around and gossiped about you and you knew information about them that would destroy them? What do you do? You don't say anything. You don't say anything. Because that's what you're expected to do. Jesus in Luke chapter 9 was leaving a city with a couple of his disciples. And the people ran him out of the city. And the disciples looked at Jesus and said, Should we call down fire from heaven and destroy them? And Jesus said, You don't even know what spirit that you're speaking of. I didn't come here to destroy the lives of men. I came here to save men. And having a fellow love and a mutual respect for one another and to have the heart of Christ and to not seek the destruction of other people uh, is very important. But not only do I not want us to, to be gossipers, I want us to be people who are motivated to speak life into the people around us. I want you to be motivated to speak life into your spouse. I want you to be motivated to speak life to your children, to your brethren, to all those people around you, and realize that what you say matters. I've been very fortunate to have people in my life who I trust, that if I have a problem or I have an issue, that I can go and I can share with them things. I've, I've been blessed with that in my life. And guess what? They're all Christians that I fully trust. And I believe that we have that here, and, and I hope that you find people like that in your life. This concludes the, the sermon of the morning. I appreciate your attention. Uh, you've been a very good audience. I um, uh, hope that we realize the importance of what we say matters and that we practice self-control, uh, that discipline. Remember, Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And, um, and that's a good thing to have. At this time, if you have a matter to bring before the converse, uh, convert, uh, congregation, we ask that you come as we stand and sing.